Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to episode four of Counterthought. This one is titled Nuclear Family. Do you know what a nuclear family is? No, it does not have to do with nuclear energy or anything like that, nuclear bombs, nothing like that. Nuclear family is a group that consists of married biological parents and their dependent children living apart from their extended family. Now, it's important to stress biological because there is another family term called cohabitant, which just means that they are the parents of the child, but they are not married. But nuclear family, they are married biological parents of the children. But why the term nuclear? Well, nuclear actually means of a nucleus. So what is a nucleus? A nucleus comes from the Latin word nux, N-U-X, meaning kernel or nut, which is considered the core and essential. Nucleus means a central part about which other parts are grouped or gathered. Core is a specialized mass directing growth, metabolism, and reproduction and functioning and the transmission of genetic characters. So the intention of the nuclear family is to be the essential core that directs growth and functional development. All right, now that we have the definition of nuclear family, I'm going to dive into the history a little bit. So the term nuclear family actually began in the 1920s from the fields of anthropology and sociology. However, nuclear family actually dates back to being the dominant family arrangement of England all the way back to the 13th century. Now, most experts or scholars attribute the nuclear family, at least here in America, well, actually Europe, to England specifically, to the Industrial Revolution. But that's not the case. It goes all the way back to the 13th century, the 1200s. Other countries across the world practice extended and clan family arrangements. And we'll get into those a little bit later. Actually, we'll get into those right now. Extended and clan families, also known as multi-generational, are led by the elders and rely on other family members to raise the children and contribute to the livelihood of the family. Whereas the nuclear family is child-centered and education-focused, raising them to be able to do what the parents did, grow up, support themselves, get married, have children. The nuclear family is more adaptable to economic and political changes. Now, for some personal history. I started in a nuclear family, but my nuclear family that I grew up in did not last. You may have assumed, if you don't know me or know too much about me, that I must have grown up in a nuclear family because I'm an advocate for a nuclear family. But that's not the case. I grew up in a nuclear family, but it didn't last. My parents got divorced when I was in elementary school. Fortunately, my parents figured out a way for me and my siblings to see my dad plenty for the remainder of my childhood, which, memory serves me correctly, was approximately 8 to 10 years. I got lucky because I know I had friends with divorced parents and their parents dragged them through the ugliness of the divorce, which is completely unfair to them and no telling what kind of effects it had on them growing up during that time when everything was going on in their parents' divorce, but afterwards. Now, 
I do acknowledge that it's impossible to know what life could have been like if my parents had stayed together, meaning that our nuclear family remained intact. But what I can speak from is that before my parents' divorce, my dad worked and my mom stayed home. The only thing I know that she helped out with regularly was the preschool that me and my siblings attended. But after the divorce, we stayed with my mom and my dad moved out. So therefore, my mom had to start working to provide for us because child support wasn't enough. However, my mom and my siblings, we didn't spiral off of a cliff like you hear in some of the statistics. Thankfully, we all went to college, we all got our degrees, and we all pretty much stayed out of trouble. Like I said, we were lucky. As lucky, I guess, as we could be. I do know, even though I can't pinpoint and predict what would have been, I do remember there definitely being sacrifices and missed opportunities. And the most visible or felt of those was financially. But we came out on the other side. Like I said, I have a great relationship with both my parents now. My dad was there all the time from what I remember. Went on trips with him, visited him, visited grandparents and everything along with him, his parents. Um, Definitely didn't get dragged through the mud. And I thank my parents for that. I thank them for sacrificing things for themselves that they probably wanted in order for me and my siblings to still have, I guess, the closest thing to that nuclear family childhood that they originally intended us to have when they first said, I do. Now let's get into some fast facts about the nuclear family. Did you know that 50 years ago, 42% of all American households were nuclear families? But today, that number has dropped down to 22%. And in 2016, 69% of America's Almost 74 million children lived in families headed by two parents, and about 3 million children lived with unmarried parents in 2016. Also, about 4 in every 10 U.S. births were to unmarried women each year from 2007 through 2013. And the majority of recent non-marital births, 58% actually, are to unmarried women living with the child's father. That's the cohabitant that I talked about earlier. And there are about 7.6 million children, or 11% of all children, lived with their mother only in 1968, compared to now 15.3 million, or 21% of all U.S. children, in 2020. That number has doubled. The number of children that live with only their mother has doubled in 52 years. Now, in 2015... It was tracked that single mother families are about five times as likely to experience poverty as married parent families, compared to 7.5% of married couple families were in poverty, and 36.5% of single mother families were in poverty, and 22% of single father families experienced poverty. Again, single mother families are about five times as likely to to experience poverty as married parent families. 36.5% for a single mother, 7.5% for a married couple. And did you know that boys raised in a single-parent household are more than two times as likely to be incarcerated compared with boys raised in an intact married home? And that is even when you control for differences in income, education, race, and ethnicity? Two times more likely. And the number of children living with their father only more than quadrupled from 800,000 to 3.3 million between 1968 and 2020. 
Living with two married parents was the most common living arrangement for children of all races and origin groups in the 2020 census, other than black children. Less than 40% of black children were living with two married parents in 2020. Asian children were the most likely to live with two married parents, followed by white, non-Hispanic children, and then Hispanic children. So from most likely to least likely of children to live with two married parents, Asian most likely, white, non-Hispanic, Hispanic, and then black. Now, for those of you who are listening from the state of Florida or maybe grew up in the state of Florida, here's some quick nuclear family facts for Florida. And this is according to the Institute of Family Studies, IFS. The share of married parent families in a county is one of the strongest predictors of high school graduation rates across all 67 counties in Florida, as well as recent growth in high school graduation rates. The share of married families headed by married couples is a more powerful predictor of high school graduation and school suspension rates than income, race, and ethnicity. Also, high school graduation rates were higher in Florida counties where more children were growing up with married couple families, and the graduation rates were lower in counties with larger proportions of African-American children. And as I mentioned a minute or so ago, there are less than 40% of black children live with two married parents in 2020. And high school graduation rates were higher in Florida counties with more adults who had completed or at least attended college. And high school graduation rates were higher in Florida counties with higher family incomes. Now, not everyone believes in the nuclear family as the best option for ways to raise your children. As I said, again, nuclear family is very child-focused, child-centered. But those that oppose the nuclear family argue in favor of multi-generational or forged families. And they say that the nuclear family isn't working. Now, multi-generational families, the most common what we'll be discussing here is at least three generations. So the child the parents, and then the grandparents. Multi-generational families are most common in Asian and Hispanic cultures. And in the U.S., 20% of all U.S. households were multi-generational families in 2016. Proponents of the multi-generational family say that the benefits of a multi-generational family are you get to share your expenses across the generations. So you live in the same house, maybe the husband and wife pay the mortgage in exchange for child care from the grandparents. Or maybe the grandparents buy food for the family, whereas the adults, not the adults, but the parents, pay for the mortgage and other housing expenses. Another benefit, they say, is you get help from the family members with child care. This is very common. We've had my parents watch my children before and have had my in-laws watch our children before. Now we do not live in the same town, but they've come down to to provide support whenever whenever we need it. And that would even be easier, obviously, if you're living in the same house with them. A third benefit is the closer relationship that you have with your extended family members. Grandkids get to grow up with their grandparents. I mean, what's sweeter than that, right? And a fourth benefit is you can provide better care for your elderly relatives than putting them in a nursing home or an assisted living facility. Now, the other option 
in opposition to the nuclear family is the forged family. A forged family means that you choose who you want to be in your family. It's made up of self-selecting individuals instead of blood and marriage kin. So it could be people that, or maybe a person that you go to church with that you want to dub as the aunt or the uncle of your children or the godparent or godmother, godfather of your children. Could be someone that you've developed a really close close relationship with from work or from childhood. Again, they're not related to you by blood or by marriage, but you want them to play a role as a family member to your children. But my question about that forged family is what's keeping those people there as part of your family? To me, that commitment could actually just be temporary. Whereas family from bloodlines or marriage is a stronger bond, a stronger commitment to the family. Now, those that are in support of a nuclear family like myself can make a lot of good arguments for the nuclear family, such as a nuclear family provides more strength and stability. It creates positive and supportive relationships. A nuclear family provides more financial stability two incomes, economies of scale. Nuclear family provides more consistency in caretaking. You get mom and dad to take care of the children, the parents, and not just mom or not just dad in a single parent family home. And the children tend to exhibit positive behavior and also stronger relationships. The nuclear family also encourages education. It is said that children of parents with college degrees are more likely to attend and complete college. That was true for me, and our nuclear family didn't last all the way until I went to college, but both my parents are college graduates, and me and my siblings are all college graduates. Nuclear families also provide greater health benefits, and it is said that children have better social, emotional, and physical health, whereas single-parent families have fewer resources, economic resources, and time. Single mother, single father caring for one or more kids, has to work, has to provide the food, has to cook the food, or buy it if you do take out or drive through, come home and care for the kids, get them ready for bedtime, all with one person instead of two. I witnessed that. I experienced that. I was a part of that. And I can tell you that it worked my mom to the bone. By the time she was done with everything and was ready to have her own personal time when us kids were all gone to bed there was no personal time because she just fell right asleep and mom if you're listening to this episode and you did have personal time please reach out to me on twitter instagram or facebook and i will make a correction in my next episode um again some of those economic disadvantages are less money to spend on books clothes extracurricular activities like maybe signing up your child for baseball or softball or dance lessons or music lessons or what have you and also less money tends to push you to a poor neighborhood and a poor school district which just feeds that endless cycle also whenever you're in a single parent family as i mentioned you have less time You have less time to pour into your children, less dedicated time, because you can't divide the labor in a single-parent home. And there's no division of labor to benefit 
the child or children or the parent. Parents can't keep their sanity if they're always going, 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 no break. You hit a wall. Or, even worse, well, I shouldn't say worse, you hit a wall, and it's actually found that single mothers report more depression and psychological issues than married mothers, which hurts their ability to be the best mother they can be, when they were actually probably trying to be the best mother they could be, but didn't have any time for their self-care and led to that depression and psychological issues, which leads them to not be the best mother they can be. It's pretty vicious. So I say all of that to say this, and yes, this is a shorter episode, probably going to come in around 20 minutes long, so you're welcome. I say all that to say this, the nuclear family has a family structure that is central when it comes to outcome gaps as varied as school suspensions, poverty, and affluence. Graduation rates too. The popular alternatives of multi-generational and forged families don't provide the same economic or social benefits of the nuclear family. And I hope that the percentage of nuclear families in the United States will be on the rise again soon and will continue to rise with future generations. And to close it out, if you are a parent of a child under the age of 18 listening to this episode, regardless of your marital situation, I trust that you will all do what is best for our children to give them the best footing in their future. All right, that's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram at counter underscore thought on Twitter at counter underscore podcast and on the counter thought podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to counter thought.